Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Don't you know that? I'm going I'm to do my very best. Oh, Colossians chapter 1. going to skip everything. Go right into Colossians chapter 1, uh, starting with v- verses 15 to 20. And uh, let, let's read this together, and, and then, we'll, then we'll talk. It says this, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, this is Jesus, for by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Guys, um, this morning I want to talk about... um, what the dream of providence is. And I just want to tell you this, this is not a, a, a dream um, that uh, is complicated. Um, when, uh, when my wife and I started providence in our living room over 12 years ago, we didn't have to think hard about, God, what's your vision for this church? Uh, it was very, very simple. And in fact, I, I feel like uh, in the early days of my walk with Jesus, God like took a, a heavenly branding iron <laughs> Whoa, and like singed my heart with this dream. Uh, I, 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 can't, I can't escape it. I, I, I don't, I, day to day, I don't have to try to get the dream back. <laughs> it, it's just I've been marked with a dream that is, uh, that is so much bigger than myself. And when we started Providence, um, we started with this dream. I, I want to be careful that, that many times when we talk about vision, we talk about dreams. Uh, we're talking about goals, actually. Uh, and my dream is not to be a church that, that reaches lots of goals, uh, honestly. Um, in fact, I think dreams and visions are so much bigger than goals. I'm not, we're talking about uh, dreams. I'm not talking about strategies. So we've got to be careful that we don't misconstrue those. Uh, when we're talking about a dream or a vision, we're talking about what, what is God's highest priority for a life and for a church? What is God's highest priority for a, for a people and a generation? Whew. This is, this is something the church has lost. We've been taught to plan. We've, we've missed in a generation how to dream. We've, we've a, 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 a church that doesn't know how to dream can only teach people how to plan. And then plans take on the same vocabulary as dreams and as visions, but they're not. And church has to give back the the dream that God has over every person. And for me, it's just been very simple. I'm, I'm, I'm not stupid. I'm very smart, actually. I graduate with honors from, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a, you can look, look that up. I'm not a liar. <laughs> uh, but I, I, can, I can get good grades. I could probably do something where I could make wild money. But I have never been able to dream dreams like that. I have always been fastened and chained to one. There's only been one thing that's inspired one dream in my heart. 
there's, there's one thing that, that gets me out of bed in the morning. It has me press on. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got beautiful children, but they're not my dream. In fact, um, in, the, uh, in, in, in this culture, it's almost like it sounds heretical to say that your wife's not your dream. But in the, in the kingdom, your wife is your second, not your first. So there's, there's this one dream that keeps me pressing on. When I lose friends, I didn't lose the dream. When, when, we, when, I, when I lose finances, you can't take the dream. When, I, when I, I, I lose heart, I didn't lose the dream. So you take all of the values that Providence has been built on. You take all of the plans that we've had. You take all the decisions that we make. You take all the steps that we have. You take all the direction, all the future, and, and all the goals that we have. You know, I never dreamt of 70 acres of land. Never once. And I'm glad we have it, but if it was gone tomorrow, it would not uh, deprive me of my dream. I, I, I'm glad that we have a building. I think it's going to be a great tool. But if, if, the, if the new construction burns down day one, I still have a dream. And here is the dream. If you, if you boil it down, I think in every season, uh, the heartbeat of it never changes, but sometimes the vocabulary and the wording does. But for me, my dream since I was seven, year old, seven years old and I got marked by the Spirit of God for one purpose with my life, here is the dream that I have dreamt for my life, for my wife, for my son, for my daughters, for my church, for my neighborhood, for this nation and for the world, is that Jesus would simply be everything to me. Everything to me. And when I say everything, I, I, I don't mean that, you know, you are my strength when I am weak. You know, you are the treasure. Come on, everybody. You are my all in all. I, I, I mean that, but I, I mean that like times infinity. That like changes the whole course of your life and your whole destiny. That makes you ruined to every other dream. That Jesus would be so everything to you that you pattern your whole future plans around him. That he would literally be all you want, all you desire. That Jesus would literally be the treasure of your heart. That any field that you have, you would gladly sell to have him. That once you see his greatness and his worth and his beauty and his grandeur and his glory and his holiness and his righteousness and then discover that through the cross and through his shed blood and then through his resurrection from the grave that proving who he is, you can have all that he is as a son in his family. When you know that, that's when you're like, my heart is captured by him. And Jesus didn't, isn't all of these things and didn't do all of these things, so he would be a decision once that we forget about and have to remind ourselves of. He did all of these things that he would be everything to us. That he would be our one treasure. He would be the one that we adore. That he, he would be gladly obeyed. And if you don't know a Christianity like that, where you, I, I'm obeying because I want to then you're still steeped in whatever religion you're blinded with. That God is calling sons and daughters to say, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. I just want you. And that has been the dream of my life. And it's been interesting that that by the grace of God has never been taken from my heart. 
as a little boy, you can ask my dad, you can ask my mom. As a little boy, you'd find me in the front, snot coming out of my nose for Jesus. <laughs> you would find me, like my dad would say, sit here and listen to me preach. And as a seven-year-old, I got saved under his preaching. Then I, then I ran home and I prayed with my mom through tears. Seven years old, God marked my life. But this, is, this is something that is, that is a fire inside of me. It's a torch in my heart. Jesus, be everything I want. Be everything I adore. Be everything I love. Be glorified with my life. I, I heard that uh, some of our friends, have you ever heard of YWAM? Uh, some of the, the YWAM, they, they sing a song, and I forget what it is. It's, it's basically, it, uh, I had it written down here somewhere, but, uh, you know, I, I have no clue now. I'm so far off script anyway. So uh, but it's, uh, here's the song. It, it goes something like this. I will preach the gospel, die and be forgotten as long as you get the glory. Man, that is my dream. I don't, you can, I don't care if there's books with my name on it. I don't care if there's songs, you know, with the CCLI or whatever, Nathan or her. I, I don't give a care. And honestly, none of the leadership here does. If books come out of here and songs come out of here, it's not for personal gain. It's for kingdom advance, advancement. And you, you need to trust me on that. I, I would not lead a church otherwise. I, 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 did, I, w- I don't want to lead a sham. I want to lead people to Jesus. And so, so this, is, this is what's gripped my heart and ruined me for any other dream as a boy. And uh, boy, I remember I, I told you that on my wedding, well, you've heard this before, but on my wedding day, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to start out right. And I wrote my wife a song um, that uh, just kind of pouring out my heart to her. It was kind of mushy and gushy, and we cried and we you know, wept. I cried while I sang. It was, it was not beautiful. I think the words were, but not my singing of it. And I sat on a stage, and I grabbed a guitar, and I, I sang a song that said that, you know, something like, uh, you know, together we will run to the tower. We'll, I'll live and love you there in the presence and the power of the Lamb. I'll walk beside you through each hour with all my faithfulness and all my heart. I'll love you as your man. And that's the chorus, and it's really, it's nice, and it's good. But then I got to the bridge <laughs> that said, but there's one, I'm singing this to my wife on our wedding day. There's one thing that you need to know right now, as I'm loving you, and as we've said these vows, that Jesus has, has already stolen my heart. And I'm set on loving him more than even you. Man, that doesn't sound like a good marriage. <laughs> and that, my friend, is because we live in America, <laughs> where our soulmates and all these things, where God exists to give you a bride or a spouse, and your spouse exists to catapult you to Jesus. We just don't know what it's like to have one solitary, overriding vision for our lives. I was at this place, it's, it's the most heavenly place on earth, it's called Buxton, North Carolina, it's Outer Banks, right? He- heavenly, and, it, and it, it, it's heavenly because of the beauty, but it's also heavenly because of the angels who make apple uglies at a place called the Orange Blossom Bakery. <laughs> oh, Jesus, thank you for angelic visitation. So good. And they make these football-sized, you know, like uh, uh, heart attacks, I mean, uh, like uh, uh, donut-type apple fritter things. And we go there, and we, and we eat them, and 
uh, feel bad. You feel bad for weeks after, uh, but because uh, there's so much grease in there that you you just don't feel right, you know, uh, after eating those. But they do taste good for a while. And I remember we were there, and there's such a line. You have to get there at six in the morning, or you, or you have to wait in a line. And and we we got there at I don't know eight in the morning. And so there's a line. There's there's all kinds of people all over the place. And so as we're waiting, my daughter Lena, who was about three years old at the time, she steps onto a chair and she says, "Oh, I've got a captive audience." You know, she's three years old, and she starts to sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, right? For the Bible. Wow, whoa, I've got some range. Uh, but so, so and, you know, and she's singing this. And, and, and my, my kids, Ethan and Grace, are like, Dad, make her stop, make her stop. And, and my wife, Adrienne, is like, oh, she's so weak. But the, uh, this is, she's so sweet, but this is awkward. And I'm like, I'm feeling the awkwardness too, but I'm looking at my daughter who then Jesus loves me into a medley and went into we will rock you all right uh, but uh, but she did but I'm, I'm watching my my daughter and I'm like whoa this is my dream as a dad my, my greatest dream for my kids is, is that they would be completely obsessed with Jesus completely head over their heels, obsessed with Jesus. And I I, I wrote this, I would rather raise a little girl that loves and treasures Jesus so much that she's awkward and public about it than raise a child that is polite publicly but distant from Jesus privately. This is my dream. And that's that's the God dream that he put in my heart. For my life and my family and even my dog. I, I seriously, I we got a dog. Like, I, I make the dog sit, I pour the dog's food into his bowl, I make him sit, and I pray. I just did this this morning. God may this be the greatest dog in the world, and I don't know how, but save him. All right, and uh, and I pray that you use this dog for your glory. Then I tell him, Champ, eat, and he does. <laughs> you got to walk with authority in your own home. Come on, right. So, so Providence, listen, Providence, we started, we started this church 12 years ago. Um, and there's some people like, I, the, the Rubens down here, whoa, guys. I'm massively thankful for you. Massively thankful for you. So there's a few, of the, the Schwartzes too, I don't know if they're here. But uh, there's Matt Schwartz back there. Hey, man, massively thankful for you. Uh, but uh, you guys remember Providence in my house. And I think you'll remember that we've always had this dream, that we want to be a part of a church where, just, where Jesus is treasured and he's adored in the culture and in the world and in our church, and uh, that Jesus would be supreme to us, unrivaled to us. Jesus would be the message we carry. Jesus would be the reason we sell our fields. Jesus would be the light that we shine. Jesus would be the love that we display. That Jesus would be the, the center of our church and, and, the, and the goal of our theology. Jesus. Jesus. And if we build buildings, fine. But they've never been the goal. And so I just read this morning Colossians, who's, uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, 15 to, uh, what was it, like 19 or something, 20. And this is, this is celebrating theologically and biblically why God's dream for our life is that he would be everything. I don't know if you noticed how many times it said all things. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. 
rulers and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, that in everything he might be preeminent, to reconcile to himself all things. This is because the dream of heaven and the dream of his father, of, of the father, is that his son would be everything to his people. This is the dream that I have for myself, my wife, my son, and my daughters, my dog, and for you and for us and for Providence. Can I just tell you this? Let me, in case you're confused about Jesus, because lots of people are confused about Jesus in these days, but let's not let it, let, let's let it not be us. Amen? That, that Jesus, let's get this right, that Jesus, the Bible says, uh, is God. The Bible says in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. The, he's the exact representation of his being. In other words, when, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Colossians 2, 9 says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus, it, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. God in the flesh, he has no rivals, he has no equals, there is no one like him, no one can compare. Not even your soulmate, who's second. He, and then it says that he's the firstborn. Verse 15b says he's the firstborn of all creation. This is not saying that Jesus was created. This is saying that Jesus alone has all the rights and privileges of a firstborn son of a king or a monarch. You hear this? So this is, this is in other words, God is saying everything is his. He's the firstborn over all. He, he is eternally begotten of the Father. He was never created. He always has been. But he has the rights and privileges to everything that he created. It says he's the creator of all things, verses 16a. For by him all things were created. So many times we think about Jesus dying on the cross, but we don't think about Jesus speaking the cross into existence. We, we, think, about, we think about Jesus you know, walking around with 12 disciples, kind of like, oh, knock it off and knock it off and knock it off and here's a better way. But we don't think about Jesus telling galaxies to form and stars to spring to life. He's the creator of all. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible, invisible. Thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. This is Jesus. He is the goal of all things. He's the goal. You don't use Jesus to get to your goals. You create goals to magnify Jesus. He, he, if he is not your goal, you're, you're not a Christian. He has to be the goal. He's not a genie that you use. He's a treasure that you have. He's the goal of all things. All things were created through him and for him. Through him, meaning by him, everything and every person is, is the work of Jesus. So let that silence every lie that is believed in this house that says you're a mistake, you should have never been. Jesus says, whoa, wait, wait a second, I made you. I made you, I made you, I made you. And the one who made you, made you for a reason. And the purpose of that, I built your soul with eternity fashioned in your heart so you would want me and I, I paid every price so you could then have me. I made you for that. I, I made you to, for, for everything to end on me. I, I, I made you that, that you're, you're, all your life, even in the midst of your sinfulness, you, you, everything else would leave you high and dry but me. 
And when it says for Jesus, that's for the honor of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. It says Jesus is first, verse 17a. He's before all things. He's a realm all to himself. And then it goes on to say this. He's the sustainer of all things, verse 17b. And in him all things hold together. And it goes on, he is superior to all things. Verse 18, he, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, preeminent is not a, a word that we use much. It is the idea that it is an idea that's difficult to contain in, in one word. So we think we use words. In the English language, like preeminent or supreme, basically what this means is that he surpasses all others. That he is the greatest, he is the best, he is the finest, he is the most outstanding, he is the most excellent, he is the most distinguished, he is supreme, he has no rivals, he has no equals, and because he is all of these things, he has no worries. And I believe that we, we live in an hour, I'm going to wrap this up now, and I'm just going to have to give you part two sometime, but I, I believe that we live in an hour where the Holy Spirit is moving today, where, where he, he's, he's working today, that the Bible says that what, the, what God the Holy Spirit does is, is he, he moves and he does it beautifully and he does it wildly and he makes us uncomfortable, but he pushes all attention to Jesus. So when he's healing people, when God the Holy Spirit's healing people, which is happening all the time now, we cannot be blind to that. Me and Stu pr prayed for a lady right down here that could barely walk on her foot. Stu got down, put, her, put his hands on her feet. She starts crying. She looks at her husband. She's like, oh, my word, Dan. My foot is better. Wow. That, I, I, even my, my brother, Philip, his, uh, his shoulder popped out of joint. He, he's got big shoulders. Caleb and I, uh, Marcel, the other day, <clears throat> we just prayed for him. And his shoulder just kind of, as we prayed, just went back in. Now listen, lots of us would, would say, lots of us will say, well, that takes the attention off of Jesus. No, no, no. It puts it on. It puts it on Jesus. This, this is why. <laughs> Jesus, who created and fashioned you, wants to meet you in, even in the fullness of that creation and put you back together. And it makes a big deal of him. It's just so, when we say he is preeminent, that, here's, here's basically what, what it means, that he would be the prized supreme treasure of every heart that he created, that he would be preeminent, or in other words, that he would be everything to the world and everything to every person, and that is what the Holy Spirit is blowing on in these days, and, and he's, he's, he's doing it in ways that, that make us feel awkward, but they're awkward good, not awkward bad. They're awkward like a three-year-old girl standing on a chair and singing Jesus over a crowd that was unsuspecting. This is, this is Jesus didn't do all of these things, then pour out the Holy Spirit and promised his, his disciples, listen, it'll be better if I go. What would be better if you go? What kind of lunacy is this? Well, it's not lunacy at all, if that's even a word. I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it is. Yes, lunacy. Uh, but uh, I just asked Google. Uh, but here's why it's better. It's because he's sinning the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to not just be on people now. Now he's going to be in people and he's going to fill us up. And, he, and he's, he's going to surge our hearts towards this man named Jesus who is preeminent over all things. Who our hearts were wired and fashioned and built for. 
And this is what he's going to do. And this is why the Bible says, um, this is why the Bible says in Matthew, Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Listen, you are not the treasure in this story. Jesus is the treasure. You are the one that sells all that you have to have Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, this is what you were made for. Liquidate all your assets. This is what you were made for. Luke chapter 5, verse 11. When they had brought their boats to the land. Now this, is, this is the disciples. This is, the, this is a few of the disciples who had just, at the word of Jesus, who told a school of fish basically to swim into the disciples' nets. This is, and they make it to shore with a bounty of fish. And this is, this is security. This is job security. This is food on the table. This is money in the bank. And what happens when they get to shore, Luke 5, 11, when they had brought their boats to land, they left, listen, everything and followed him. How can you leave wealth? How can you leave a job? Well, your job and wealth stop being your everything and Jesus becomes your everything. That's how. This is how. Jesus is literally saying, I'm better than job security. I am better than the greatest catch of fish. Come follow me. Come follow me. In fact, instead of catching fish, you're going to catch souls. And I'm going to fill you up and then send you out where you're going to be toxic to darkness. And you're going to be a kingdom advancer. An invisible kingdom that, that is experienced but not seen. Where do I go with this? Where do I go with this? Wow. You know, I want to be the known for, uh, as a church, who's not, uh, it's, it's not, you know, that's a cool church. You can, you can come, you can slip in the back, you can sit up front, you can lay in the aisles. And they're welcoming. Well, I, I, that, that's cool, but that's like secondary. I want to be known as a church that's the reason for our welcome is a man named Jesus. He took, us as, he took me as I was. And so I will do the same to you. I, I want to be known as a church like that. Jesus is everything. We're known for Jesus. When they ask on social, what's a good church in the area? Well, you can go to that one, you can go to that one, you can go to that one. That one's nice. That one, that one you can dress where That one, the pastor wears skinny jeans, so ah. But Providence, you'll feel weird there. They're out of their mind. They're completely obsessed with a man named Jesus. I don't know if you want to join them, but if you do, you'll be changed. That's all I know. I want Jesus to be the central focus of our evangelism. The, Jesus promised, if I be lifted up, I'll draw him into myself. We lift high the cross, and we let the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does, and that's take broken hearts and point them at the healer of them. Jesus would be the center of our evangelism. Jesus would be the center of our discipleship. I, 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 our skill here is not creating awesome gears. That we would have a dream that rages and say, we're just calling people to follow Jesus. Just so follow Jesus. Center of our discipleship. I, I, wanna, I want this to be a church that hurts like Jesus. And Luke chapter 19, verse 41 says, when he drew near and saw the city, the city being Jerusalem, Jesus didn't get angry over it. He wept over it. Can I tell you that here's the heart of Jesus is that spiritual blindness does not make Jesus angry. Spiritual blindness breaks Jesus' heart. 
these people didn't know who was riding into their town on a donkey. They, and in fact, they took him and killed him. And Jesus is crying, knowing what's coming. I'm so sick of the church being angry at a society that needs the love of the Father to per, pervade it. This is what the church is for. The church isn't to surge opinions out there and let people be shamed. The church is to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people who are blind, not just blind, dead, not just dead, but, but are being called to life in Jesus. We, we don't know how to do church like this. Church is, well, I want my kids to grow up knowing stuff like I did. Well, that's great, but why don't you go to higher heights and they'll follow this, the church needs to know what it is to actually operate in the beautiful name of Jesus. And to have, listen, parents, you may not be theologians, you may not have a master's degree in anything, but your heart can burn and your, ki your kids will catch on fire as a result. This is how the church is supposed to work. So I, I just, I want to I wanna dream with you a second. Like, li listen to this. Five and a half years ago, here I put the dream down in, in this little book, is. Originally wrote the church I see, um, now then it, it turned the church we see because many of us caught on to this dream. You know, here what five, five years ago, you know, it was in my heart, and there was uh, lots of plans and goals, right? Here's the church that was in my heart five and a half years ago, and it's still in my heart except, I, I don't know if you can tell, but insanely wilder. Okay, one person laughed. We see a church where Jesus is treasured. Whoa, ding, 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 ding. How did we stumble on that one? I, 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 I was branded this as a seven-year-old. You can't take it. A church so preoccupied with Christ, his kingdom, his glory, his fame, his honor, and his heartbeat that little else matters. A church vertical in nature where gathering to worship is participated in with such abandon that God is consistently pleased to pour out his presence on his people with such power that it is as if heaven and earth have collided. A church that has little to do with upholding the traditions of men and everything to do with encountering God. This is what it's always been, church. We see a church where songs are born and artists are unleashed. A worshiping community fueled by the Holy Spirit, desperate for God in prayer, and operating from his presence, not for his approval. Five and a half years ago, and we're walking in this. We see a church where people are loved, a welcoming church that prefers people over programs. And can I just shout, shout myself down with an amen? Like, come on. So sick of churches that get in our program. Get in our program. You know, I'm so, I'm so tired of that. But programs exist to bless people, not people make the people, the, the, the inventor of the program feel good. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> oh, Lord. Abandoning comfort for an atmosphere that makes room for the most imperfect person around. An unoffendable church that, that people eagerly desire to be a part of, where it's easy to get connected and hard to be overlooked. And we're working on, working on this one. We're not good at this yet. And can I just say to all of you who feel like you've been overlooked, I'm really sorry. That's not what's in our heart. We're, we're, we're working on this, but we're not perfect yet, okay? But when Jesus is the focus, maybe if you felt the sting of this, you'll help us be the answer to this. We see a church large enough to welcome all, but intimate enough for individuals to be noticed. A diverse community where, listen, man, I love this. I'm going to shut myself down again. 
where relationships don't hang on similarities. Wait, you're Pentecostal? I'm brethren. Well, <laughs> I guess we're going to have to part ways. Well, but on God's extravagant love for every person, what if the love of God was our common ground? Come on now. Come on now. Wow. So we see a church where compassion is extended. A church that doesn't shrink in fear, but rises to bring life to dead places. <laughs> Please, God. A church that is unstoppably committed to reaching a generation, brimming over with those that the statistics say are leaving, and filled beyond capacity with those who are down to the last hope. Do you know that the statistics have cursed the church instead of blessed the church? You know, the statistics have said everyone 35 years and older, they don't have a care in their heart for the greatness of Jesus. I beg to differ. Get out more and look at the revival move of God all around the world. We actually need to catch up and, and, and release the statistics. Catch up with what God's doing around the globe. A church alive with potential-filled people, and that's you. Potential in your heart who are being championed and cheered on, not pushed out by their predecessors. We're not trying to have church look the same as last year. We're going to new places. Same dream, same Bible, same Jesus may look different. We see a church that passionately advances God's kingdom and positively influences society, more focused on how we love than what we consume. Where our facilities serve to send people into a hurting world, not insulate them from it. A generous church where the atmosphere is thick with faith, believing God to provide for us in ways that defy the odds and are beyond reason, gladly and hilariously giving of the resources that we have received to kingdom causes that make the darkness tremble. We see a church where you're changed. A church where masks come off faces, leaders are raised from the ashes, and people plunge deep into the presence of God, filled with the Spirit, overflowing with hope, entrenched in His grace, feasting on the Scriptures, standing on the promises, laboring in prayer, and living in freedom, so heavenly-minded that we do a world of good. This is, this is, the, this is the dream that I cannot release from my heart. In fact, it's got coffee stains on it. It's a coffee stained dream. It's with, me, it's with me all the time. Since seven years old, I cannot escape. It's why we started Providence. It's why we started. In fact, I was looking back at some of my notes the last week that I was 39. I'm 41 now, but the, so this is two years ago. The last week I was 49, I wrote in a journal type entry. I said, I, said, I, I was writing this to Jesus because he's my friend, and I talked to him, and, uh, and I said, Jesus, what I want... <laughs> What I want for my birthday is lovesickness. I want the oil of gladness. I want the joy of the Lord. I want more dancing in the streets, more shouting from rooftops, more seeking and more pursuit. And that's what I want to pray over us. If you want this, just stand. Don't be, listen, let's get over it. Who cares if you feel comfortable? Who cares if you've never done it? Just stand. Jesus. Jesus. We've known you in flannel graphs. We haven't known you through encounter. God, 
I, I pray for crazy Damascus Road experiences with Jesus over the church again. I pray that people would be blinded by the glory and then the scales would fall off into a new life. I pray that people would be baptized into the greatness of Jesus. I pray that, that our good theology would actually hit our hearts and come out of our lives, God. I pray for fire again. I pray for hearts that burn like a torch, God. I pray for people that actually have a vision for their life that's bigger than the American dream, God. This is what I pray. God, you've branded us with this. You've marked us with this. Our hearts burn for this. I pray that we would awaken to this. Become alive to this, God. This is the purpose for which we exist. So I just pray that into our church. God, there's lots of things to be defined for. I will not, I will not shut, shut up until we are defined by this. But until we are known for this, God. So we bless you. We bless you. I rebuke fear in Jesus' name that would hold us back from wanting to walk into a heart that's where Jesus is everything. We let goods and kindred go. Jesus, you're better. You're better. You're better. You're better. You're better. You are. Jesus is better. I pray that our hearts would, would receive that and believe that and live that and hold that. And thank you, God, that we're sons and you never give up with us. Thank you. Uh, you never give up on us. Thank you that we're daughters and you look on us and you see us as lovely because of Jesus. And so, God, call us in to your heart dream for us in these days. We bless you, we praise you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.